0: Stop the clock. Take time out. Time to regroup before you lose the bout. Freeze the frame. <laughs> Back it up. Time to refocus before I wrap it up. Hit my balls. <laughs> Gears are getting shorter. Lines on your face are getting longer, feel like you're treading water, but the riptide's getting stronger. Don't panic, don't jump ship, can't fight it, like taxes, at least it happens once in your life. They're singing, record a podcast, just want to lay down and cry, not just another podcast, it's Bomb Squad Pod! Hi! I'm Tanner Richard Kraft.
1: I'm Austin Zwiebelman. (laughs) I'm
0: Rain Conversey. We have a very special guest today.
2: Oh, and I'm Isabel Murin.
0: (laughs) Woo! Yeah! Rain, I saw that you got up at one point. I wish I got up sooner.
3: I think think (laughs) I'd be really funnier.
0: (laughs) I wish I never left this call. (laughs) I wish I never entered it. And if you couldn't tell by my deranged lunacy that I will call a musical number, we are talking about... My second favorite movie of 2021, Lynn Manuel Miranda's directorial debut, Andrew Garfield's singing debut, Ooh. Vanessa Hudgens' 39th Netflix movie this month, the movie about probably one of the most influential people on in the modern Broadway scene, even to this day, Jonathan Larson. So, Ooh. I just kind of wanted to know, guys, what kind of familiarity do you guys have with Jonathan Larson's work, and what expectations did you have going into this movie? Austin, I think I will start with you
1: a whole entire lifetime ago i used to do theater in high school and jonathan larson was one of those like sob stories that sort of went around the theater kid circle like besides them randomly singing out seasons of love as some kind of weird thespian mating ritual uh it was mostly just them talking about how tragic it was he died before he could see it get performed in fact I think I heard more theater kids having an existential crisis about Jonathan Larson than I had theater kids trying to get me to watch the Rent movie, which was bizarre. So last night, for the first time in my life, I actually sat down and watched the Chris Columbus Rent film from 2005. After, you know, a lifetime of reducing that musical to the parody of it in Team America World Police <laughs> and its writer's death, I gotta say that I get like this shook up the scene back in like 1999, like it had big gay energy It criticized the establishment, man Like, it dropped on Broadway The year the two highest grossing musicals Were Phantom of the Opera and Beauty and the Beast Uh, So it, it felt like it kind of embodied That, like, Gen X We're not gonna sell out And the boss is a douche kind of energy Going into Tick Tick Boom Blessed with that very limited survey Of who Larson was And the trailer for the movie itself I was mostly expecting this to be Like, the disaster artist Like the type of film where sort of the playwright protagonist like notices a Mary Englebright calendar in the 90s that says like, did you know a year has nine hundred twenty five thousand six hundred minutes in it or whatever that number is? And then the camera zooms in on his face and he's like, do you say, huh? Like, I I thought this was going to be the movie where they go around like Jonathan Larson's life and he finds a bunch of things that literally translate into scenes from Rent. That was just what I thought this movie was going to be. Back to you, Tanner.
0: My chair is broken. The piston fell through, so I have to balance myself on this thing. So who should go next? Rain looks like he's going to cry. So we're going to go with uh, Rain Conversi. What familiar you have with Jonathan Larson's work? All right. I bet none! All right. And what expectations did you have going in?
3: Alright, so when I think Jonathan Larson, I think, I focus on the last name Larson, which reminds me of the King of the Hill episode with Larson Pork Products. The really creepy episode with the pig guy Hell and he yeah. like dies really violently. Uh, that's What a great episode. Um, what else? So Rent, my only experience with like him otherwise is, um, is I didn't, I never seen Rent the musical or the movie, but I watched all my knowledge of it begins and ends at um, the Lindsay Ellis video talking about like how awful and trash it is. She hates <laughs> Rent. Yeah, when coming into this, I saw Tanner give it a glowing review. I saw other people give it not so glowing review. So I was very, um, very unsure of how, what to expect coming in.
0: Yeah, just because I like something, that doesn't mean shit. Uh, Isabel. Yeah. They say that right. That's a hard that's not a hard name to pronounce. I shouldn't be. I've known you. Years. You know, I'm you know, I'm pretty stupid. So sometimes things can be pretty hard. But
2: people pronounce it as Elizabeth a lot. I don't know how we got there, but we did.
0: My favorite thing is at my job. I'll say my name is Tanner and they say, hi, Daniel. What? Well, what kind of familiarity do you have with Jonathan Larson's work? What kind of expectations did you have going into the movie?
2: Okay, so when I watched it, uh, I actually have a couple friends and we do a Discord watch party with musicals like once a week. I knew nothing about John Larson. I knew nothing about Rent. So I came in like completely freshman, so new to everything. So of course, when I found out he died, I like had a complete reaction where I was like, (laughs) what? It was like, that's not right. And then like, I remember that distracted me for the rest of, like, the end of the movie. That was so distraught. So of distraught. course he died,
0: and you're like, back it up!
2: What do you yeah. mean he's dead? And I, I had actually never seen Rent until, I think, the following week after I saw Tick, Tick, Boom.
1: Did you like Rent? Did you like Rent?
2: That was also a weird time. In the middle <laughs> of watching that, I found out that uh, a relative of mine passed away. Oh. So it, like...
0: I'm Stop reading things it. about John Larson. You keep getting bad news. Yeah,
2: it all revolves around death.
0: Yeah, this isn't good.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It, I, I definitely want to rewatch Rent, but, you know, at the end of the movie when they talk about how he should write something that he knows about, he definitely did, and I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> all right, uh, I get to nerd out because I was a Jonathan Larson fan before anyone else in the womb, baby! That's a lie. I first discovered the works of Jonathan Larson at the age of 18 when my then-girlfriend encouraged us to watch Rent because she loved Rent. And I went, okay, I'll watch Rent. And I fell in love with it. I love that movie. I think y'all are haters. Lindsay Ellis or whoever the hell says it's bad. Uh, They're dumb baby brain. I'm smart man. Mmm. I have...
3: You really need to get that chair fixed.
0: It's that
2: smart man brain that's at work right now. <laughs>
1: uh, that's not good. I don't. I don't think that's good, is it? Uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Do you have any other chairs? No.
3: Can you make a, a pile of things to sit on?
1: This reminds me of the beginning of Tick-Tick Boom. Yeah. All <laughs> right. All right. I'm standing
0: now because um, my chair broke. What the hell was I talking about?
1: You love Rent.
0: I fell in love instantly because, as you have to understand, as a as a bisexual guy who didn't really get a ton of classic cinema media exposure, I didn't see queer people in movies a lot. So Rent came around, and it's a musical with kick-ass rock music that is about queer people in a very specific time in queer history Had a tremendous impact on me I loved it it's one of my favorite movies for the year it came out I think it's my eighth favorite of 2005 when I found out the guy who made it was dead I went oh man that blows what the fudge I hate that it's a shame especially when you find out he died the night of the first like preview the first time people were gonna pay tickets to see his work is the night he died that is like poetic tragedy but i just i was obsessed with him and how much he seemed to not get to do what's weird though is that i never heard of tick tick boom until i saw a little teaser frame on reddit.com r slash movies about this is the first image of andrew garfield as john larson in tick tick boom and i said oh who the what now one of the hottest men alive is playing john larson say again andrew garfield gonna sing andrew garfield gonna woo me find out len manuel miranda's directing it and unlike like again haters Dumb people, I like Lin-Manuel Miranda's work. I think he's a brilliant songwriter. And I was like, well, I'm excited to see him do directing. That should be interesting. And the trailers came out. I fell more and more in love with it. 3090 was released as a single, and I loved that song immediately. So my expectations I were off the roof. I tried to keep them checked. I couldn't. My expectations were sky freaking high, which transitions perfectly into our next talking point, Rain. Kittily boy, what did you think of Tick Tick Boom? For better or
3: for worse, I'm probably going to have the least to say, um, so I guess it's good I, you get me out of the way. Uh, like like with man I'm having trouble trying to figure out how much of my enjoyment um, was from the movie as it is its plot, characters, themes. You know, you know, you know the stuff you've seen a movie before, and how much of it is um, just like a personal for me aspect. Uh, like hyper subjective sort of thing. Obviously, art is subjective, but then I feel like there's like, oh, this character art works for me. Um, this plot line works for me. Um, oh, that was scary to me. Um, there, that's there's like subjective, and then there's like hyper subjective where it's like, oh, I I enjoy Die of a Wimpy Kid because I used to draw cartoons exactly like the ones that Greg drew, or something like something where it's like super specific to you, like not just like, oh, I like robots. In the case of Tick, Tick, movie you know, it's the story of a, a guy in their twenties who feels like they have to create art in that, like, just the sands of time, just like this monster that's slowly encroaching on them, and the, that they have to, you know, prove to the world that they're, uh, they're useful. It's basically it's impossible for me to hate this movie, like, even if it was trash. Like that element of it, it just it gives it like a a giant buff that makes it. Um, I'm not the only one. I'm sure like all of us probably can relate to that to a degree, being uh former film school students. Um, without that in mind I liked it it was a I had a decent time with it I thought the performances were good I thought these characters were engaging the uh format of like the play performances flashback that whole flow it worked for me um not too much to say about it to be um i guess a mild grumpy pants so i thought the um the musical numbers i was kind of indifferent to the majority of them i, don't know, I appreciate it a lot more as a story than as a uh, musical experience grant i'm kind of um i'm not super particularly giant musical fan i like them but i don't like it's not like they're my favorite genre um they're just like they're my medium i like them medium amount All right, I think I've made it clear enough. Good time. Someone else talk.
0: All right, Rain, I get it. I get it. You hate anything that brings me joy. Let's go to another queer man that can give us a based and factual opinion. Mr. Uh, Austin Zwiebelman, the gayest man of Bomb Squad, except for the one that's married. Wait, no, he's the one that's married. Austin, what do you think of Tick, Tick, Boom?
1: Five out of ten. Wouldn't do it again. I I hate (laughs) musicals. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I keep thinking that it's kind of funny how the Chris Columbus adaptation of Rent is a movie that does so many lackluster things to what was probably a great musical. And then this post movie about Jonathan Larson just kind of blows it out of the water. Like, what a weird legacy. The fact that it's a parable about the whole, like, This art is my big break mentality is is good. Because I would imagine there's like a world full of people that like held on too tight to what they believed their magnum opus was. And then when something happens, like what happened to suburbia to them, they just fly off into the private sector and they're like, no, I don't want to do art anymore. Whereas in this, you know, Jonathan Larson made two more musicals and did the thing it's like I feel like this is important for artists to see because it represents the reality of like no matter how much you've been working on that screenplay for eight years you might have to do another one after this if they don't pick it up
0: yeah Ryan yeah
1: There's been some negative critical to do about the sort of intro and outro, talking about how Jonathan Larson went on to do more plays and die and win a Tony. Like there's just generally like I've read some reviews where they're like, that was bad and unnecessary. Did you all think that that was bad and unnecessary? Because I personally didn't. No, I think the movie would be incomplete without it.
2: Yeah, as somebody who like I knew nothing about it, I think it made it. I don't know, it emphasized it a little bit more. The story hit harder for me, so I appreciated it, but I can see how it rubbed people the wrong way.
3: I think um, it felt fitting with, like, the struggle he's going through. Like Tanner said, it's tragic, but also feels um, fitting and poetic for the story for him to have died, like, right as he finally, like, reached his dream of making something big that a ton of people are going to see. Like, it just, yeah...
1: uh, Was it me or did Superbia sound like a movie That would be made now Like it felt like a weird smartphone era Lifestyle vlogger commentary That would be perfectly adaptable now But none of that like culture existed back then
0: (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I'm really shocked nobody's gone back, especially with how big Rent has become, and attempted to uh, revive that, because it's not like, the only issue, the only hangup is, is that he wrote like seven endings and nobody knows which one he actually wanted to go with. But honestly, that's not a big deal. Well, just get Guillermo del Toro, he'll pick. Just do all of them at the same time. <laughs> at one, No, Clue,
1: just Clue it! Yeah, Clue! Oh God! <laughs> Depending on which screening you go to, you get a different ending, or they all get to vote like American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> you, which
0: ending do you want? And then Simon Cowell's there just shaking his head.
1: Do you want John to go to the Berkshires with his girlfriend? <laughs> uh, there was one part of the film that gave me that distinctive kind of shame you get when you're watching something too silly to be appealing to skeptics who aren't familiar with the genre or don't like it in the first place. Like when my parents used to walk in on me watching weird cartoons as a kid and you're like, no, it's just Pokemon. I promise, Like, like I'm not this cringe. But like the whole thing uh, I was thinking was like, could I show this to my husband? Would he like it? Because he doesn't like musicals. They're not his thing. And the only number that felt too theater kitty for me was therapy. Just the weird marionette choreography and the facial expressions and the intentionally loopy songwriting just made it feel goofy and out of place. And I was like, great, I guess I I shouldn't show this to him now because he's going to fucking hate this part one thing I didn't think was silly was the hip hop interlude for play game and by extension all the 90s stuff like play game felt like a fun tribe called quest ripoff, and it was nice to see the 90s being used as something more than an excuse to represent the AIDS crisis in a movie Uh, in conclusion when I watched the rent adaptation it was a bad movie with some really awesome songs whereas tick tick boom was a movie with good scenes where nobody was singing Uh, It's a pretty unique film about a struggling artist, which is good considering how trite that genre can get. I'd recommend it to theater kids and fans of Andrew Garfield. Back to you, Tanner. Why'd you say theater kids twice? I don't know.
0: All right. Do you want to call Izzy or Isabel? I'm sorry. Do you care? I am
2: i don't I care. I should have asked that
0: 30 minutes ago, but...
2: <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. I'm good with either one.
0: Okay. Is, Izzy, because that's easier for me to say, because I get tripped yeah. up on multiple syllable words. <laughs> Izzy, what did you think of Tick, Tick, Boom overall?
2: I thought it was pretty solid. I really like post-production a lot, so that really struck out to me the most, like during swimming, where that line in the pool just becomes a whole musical sheet. I love that. I really like the combination of, because you know, Tick Tick Boom was initially a three man show. So I really liked the interweaving of that show going on as well as like being in that present moment. And actually about therapy, I don't really like corny musical songs. They're not for me but I really feel like it It really worked well in that scene just because it was, like, supplementing the argument. So the, the argument was, like, happening in between that, which made it a lot easier for me to, like, digest. There was also, I just really liked the transitions between, like, one place to another, um, that one scene where, where he's still trying, hung up on the song, and it just goes around his, his entire apartment of him being distressed in one place or the other, and I think for Lin-Manuel's directorial debut, it's a really good one. And also, uh, as someone who's by, uh, Alexandra Ship and Andrew Garfield on screen, I had a moment of, like, what's happening? Uh,
0: you know <laughs> like, what? You and, so both, yeah. you and me both. You and me both. Oh, quite funny. For me, I think my biggest moment was when the first time I saw Andrew Garfield and Robin DeHus on screen at the same time, I went, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> That should be my ringtone. I'm gay. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Every time someone texts me. That green dress. That green dress. God, it's so good. (laughs) What do I think about Tick, Tick, Boom? Well, let's start with, uh, so here's a copy of the script that my friend found in a half price Books. It's the actual, like, screenplay for the film. Oh, this isn't a thing that's normally for sale. There's no p- copyright information. There's no publisher information. This is something that was given out to press junkets. It somehow made its way to a secondhand bookstore where Joe Vrenick found it, told me about it. I Venmoed him $15 and now I have it. Um, this is now one of my most prized possessions. I love, love Tick Tick Boom. Those of you who have been watching a while, Death Machine Star, you might be familiar with my thoughts of uh, In the Heights, which was, when we did it, my favorite movie of the year. And I figured, at the bare minimum, that's going to be my favorite musical of the year. So little did I know, another Lin-Manuel Miranda thing was going to be like, you thought? Because what a great year for musicals it's been. I mean, everyone loved Dear Evan Hansen. So, you know, anyway, going back to this movie, Tick, Tick, Boom which was also written by the guy who wrote Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. Uh, Same screenwriter for both movies, by the way. Where do I start? Where do I start? I think as Rain was saying with the super subjective things, uh, because he doesn't want to be adamant in his opinions like a coward, I will say that what I believe is objective fact. Everyone is in their 20s and struggling as an artist. This is true. My mother... My 47-year-old mother, she's actually a struggling artist in New York in her 20s. I think this is just an objective fact, and I think we need to stop with these alternate reality bullcrap, okay? Spider-Verse was fun, but we're going too far. I love this movie. I love all of the songs. They're very strictly attuned to my sensibilities in musical theater, which is the more kind of rocky edge, poppy, populist type music that Rent really helped popularise. That is my specific type of taste in musical theater. And God, let me tell you, as someone who's 23 and wants to be an actor of all things, the idea of not doing enough while you're young resonates with me deep. I am terrified constantly that I'm not doing enough, that I'm not doing enough to put my name out there, that I'm not doing enough to make myself the next hot shit. And this movie, I think, captures that feeling better than any other movie I can think of, that specific feeling of wanting to make it as an artist and feeling like you're not doing enough. Like the idea of 30 being a ticking time bomb a deadline that is terrifying okay austin i get it you're gonna turn 30 like tomorrow or whatever but you don't got to give me that look
1: did you notice of um, the characters <laughs> who called him a baby and made fun of the fact he's not 30 jonathan larson <laughs> he's not even 30 oh wow thank you uh-
0: Hey boy, genius.
1: It's really not a time bomb.
0: <laughs> okay, I know, but I'm 23 right now, Austin. I I, I don't have wisdom beyond my years. I, I, I'm not even married. Anyway, the point is is that I um, I love Tic Tick, Boom. Since I think Lin-Manuel Miranda injected a lot of visual flair, especially like what Izzy was saying with the post-production, I think there was a lot of stuff done there that really amped up the game. I was impressed by his directorial vision. I was afraid it would just feel like a stage play recorded, but honestly, it takes advantage of the film medium really well. Like we've all been mentioning, the framing device of having it be both the play and then the real-life events happening is so cool, especially because, fun fact, Tick, Tick, Boom, when it made it to Broadway, was a three-man show, but when Jonathan Larson first performed Tick, Tick, Boom, it was a one-man show. It was a rock monologue. So to see it evolve from rock monologue to a three-man show on Broadway to this, it's kind of like this beautiful evolution, and it feels like the ultimate form of what this story could be, because it has so many aspects of all the mediums that it's taken advantage of so incredibly well. And on a personal level, uh, I'm terrified of death. Not so much death as a concept, as my life ending. That's not so scary. Everyone has to die at some point. It happens. What terrifies me is the idea of dying and not having done anything that-
1: Matters. Right.
0: Matters to anyone. I didn't even think it would come on now. I thought it would be later. Could still happen later, too. <laughs> <laughs>
3: we Watch actually Tanner have a counter like a little
0: baby. I'm terrified of death and not having done anything that doesn't matter. And to see a movie I think portray that 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 fear, that sensation so well and so passionately is um really powerful. Really, I, I can't say it enough. I love this movie so, so much. And I'm going to get into the specifics of something about what I'm about to say, why. But towards the end of the movie, I was thinking, okay, I think In the Heights has been dethroned. This is my favorite musical of the year. And then something happened, and we'll get to that later. But when that thing happened, I went, this is my favorite movie musical ever, uh, which is my genuine take. Austin hates it. Austin's like hyperbole. I saw it two months ago. You can't use that excuse this time. It's not principle. recency biased. The Tanner prin- <laughs> there is no Tanner
1: principle here. I saw it two months ago. Wow, okay, so it's it's your favorite mus- movie musical of all time, and we're going to find out why. Got it.
0: Yeah, we'll get into that later. I have a specific thing I want to point to. Let's uh, move on to our next question, which is, which character was your guys' favorite a, this movie is filled with characters, some of them real, some of them amalgamations of real people, some of them Steven Sottenheim. So... Rest <laughs> in
1: sorry. peace. Rest in peace to the
0: goat. Uh, favorite character. I want to start with, let's put the guest on her toes. Izzy, how about oh you gosh. go first?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Supremacy. I guess, like, I appreciate how rational she's been throughout and, like, supportive... Of John throughout the entire movie, and just like, okay, when are we going to talk about this? And then also setting her own boundaries. And then when she's set, uh, saying, "Come to your senses," uh,
0: when she I sings calm,
2: yeah, when she sings <laughs> calm, and that's it. It, it, it. it follows up green green dress.
0: <laughs> with the green dress had a stain on it. It was really weird. <laughs>
2: No, but like, come to your senses, her character development was just kind of like peaking, for lack of better terms, at this point, peaking a climax where, you know, that was like her song, her defining moment. I know the the character Susan is based on, I know they had like an on and off relationship in real life, but I guess her relationship with John in the movie, it just felt really real. There was no breakup and then they they left. It was very pretty mutual
0: in the movie. I do agree. I do agree that she climaxed when she come. Anyway, uh, Austin's going to have to censor that, that whole, whole thing. She's going to be, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Austin, which uh, character was your
1: favorite and why was it Robin DeHoose? My favorite character was the guy who worked in finance Who showed up to John's party and said horrible, vulgar things He may be a crass (laughs) jerk who represents everything banal And cynical that John's work was up against But he heard John say that he was the future of musical theater And he agreed He was awesome Like, I think there was a shot of him at the Superbia rehearsal Clapping along with the crowd Like, this man represents the eventual success of Rent With critics and audiences He's a stupid lug of a man But he's my My stupid luck of a man. Back to you, Tanner. That's not a real answer. What was I supposed to say? Andrew Garfield? That's reserved for somebody else. Or
0: yeah, Rain's (laughs) gonna say it before me, probably. I feel like saying the
3: main character is just cheating. And also, I mean, I really want to say him, but at the same time he he was not the best boyfriend. So I'll use that. That will um tick tick boom him down a place and instead I'm gonna put his agent as my I'm gonna put his agent as my favorite. Uh, she's very funny. Um, I love her. So, I have a theory, a hypothesis, maybe more accurate to say um, East Coast accents are like objectively the funniest accents, like be it Object- Boston yes. or New York.
0: Oh my God. If Bill, or, Burr, or Bill Burr. Burr's comedy career is built on that accent.
3: I have a um, one of the scripts I want to work on, is, uh, it's like a movie set in ancient Rome, but all they all speak with like Jersey accents, uh, like <laughs> Italian American accents. Hey, I'm Julius Caesar over here. Anyway, <laughs> uh, sorry for the tangent. And also, she, she's fun. She's cool. She, The actress uh, gives a lot of charisma uh, and sage presence for someone who doesn't have much screen time.
0: Okay, my favorite character is Steven Sottenheim. No, not at all. But I did love Bradley Woodford's take as the character. And I loved how when they left the voicemail message at the end, it was actually Steven Sottenheim's voice. That was oh. cute. Yeah, uh, yeah yeah, that wasn't Bradley Whitford That was actually Stephen Sondheim Apparently Stephen Sondheim saw a cut of the film With something else in it and he said I would never say that <laughs> So so they, he improvised something else My favorite character is John Jonathan Larson Yeah it's cheating to say the main character Well guess what I'm cheating baby I cheat on my diet I cheat on my girlfriend And that's why I'm single and fat So uh, <laughs> I do neither of those things The point is, is that It's got to be John Larson for me as everyone who knows me knows, uh, my favorite thing in movie is character. It's acting. I love acting. Uh, I want to be an actor. Acting is how I initially fell in love with the art form. So when Andrew Garfield delivers what I think was the best, not only the best performance of his career, but the best performance, in my opinion, of 2021, he spent a year learning how to sing. And it's so it, it paid off because God damn, that boy got some windpipes on him. Holy smokes. Yeah. That kid can sing from the diaphragm and all those vocal coach techniques I never paid attention to in elementary school. He does a lot of little things in this character. There's a video of Jonathan Larson performing 3090, played side by side with Andrew Garfield as John Lawson doing 3090 it is uncanny. The way he turns his head, the way he plays the piano, just the way his body is moving is so on point with Jonathan Larson. But it never feels like he's just doing an impression. It feels like he's actually embodying a character and it's not just an impression. So the fact that it feels so accurate, so real life, it's the best that playing a real life character can be. And I think he said in an interview how some family members would be like, it's like I got to be with John again for a few hours. I think that is the biggest endorsement you can get for playing a real life character or you can be like jim carrey on man on the moon where his where andy kaufman's family actually treated him like andy kaufman and i'm pretty sure he gave him irrevocable mental damage but that's not what this podcast about i just wanted to bring that up but andrew garfield john larson that's the peak of the movie for me uh shout out to robin de uh robin de as the best friend they were all great everyone's great everyone's bringing their freaking a game in this movie again props to lynn for getting these performances Time to move on to um, the question I'm most excited about. What song slash which musical number was your favorite? Is the song and musical number the same thing, or are those two different questions? Because it can be for some people. So I just want to get into it. Favorite song, favorite musical number. Austin, pressure's on you. You go.
1: No contest. It's why. Nothing comes close when it comes to, like, resonating with me. I mean, like, the boho song is, is catchy, but why is entirely something different? Like, I love how it reduces something that people normally speak about, like, philosophically to something much more basic and human. Like, why is John like this? Why is he dead set on living a miserable life as an artist in New York City? That statement that he just decided one day that this is how he wants to spend his time. He wants to spend his days doing theater. That's just such a lovely way to put it. Like, we're all just like these lost little creatures trying out how to figure out how to spend the minutes that we're given. I love the simplicity of that. And bonus points... For that one juxtaposing cut where John and Michael are on the dock and they're the ages that they are now. And then towards the end of the song, they're the ages that he described them as earlier in the song. The sort of delayed Mm -hmm. gratification of seeing that made it feel powerful to me for some reason.
0: Good, good answer. That's a great number. And that's the one where he's playing the piano in the... uh, In
1: the park. In the rain.
0: I'm pretty sure Andrew Garfield sung that number live uh, for the movie, which is what that's, so I understand why there would be a lot of people's favorites I just wanted to bring that up, because uh, I didn't know if I'd have the chance to. Rain, which song slash which favorite musical number? Hmm? Mm, yeah, so. stroke me have. Mm. Rain, go ahead and just tell me your answers.
3: As a song, uh, I probably would have to say Thirty Ninety. Um, I think Taryn put it way better than I ever could. Basically, just rewind this video or our audio recording. Just go back to the part where Taryn was talking about like uh feeling like he has. He, there's like a he's on a time bomb. That's how I felt about this song. I honestly don't even remember. I don't remember the mus- the scene very well. Like, you know, the musical number from a visual standpoint. So I guess I can't say it was my favorite musical number. But as like a scene in a movie, I would say my favorite musical number was. I don't know the name of the song. The song itself I was kinda of mid on, but uh the one where they're going where they're like juxtaposed to like the crappy apartment. Um they're used uh, they're used to living into the like the luxury one. And really dealing with the um sort of the the contrast of like do I pick the the safe, uh, but solo scorpion, corporate job, or do I uh, struggle in, in squalor in hopes of making it big? Like, I, th- I thought I communicated that idea really well, and they're a really great pair together, those two, and they also communicate that idea really well.
0: Great thought. You think good, my man. Izzy, Izzy, if, uh, I'm pretty sure you uh, spoiled this answer earlier. I think it's swimming, isn't it?
2: Oh, I spoiled it, but then I rewatched it this morning, and I oh, changed my mind. Um, twist. Yeah. So my favorite song from it is actually Johnny Can't Decide. I think it's um, one of the more personally like relatable songs. It really displays like you know the whole like ticking, um, having to make decisions in his life, just choosing between you know what to tell Susan. Should he be there? for Freddie in the hospital or, you know, his decision of writing this song, um, going into marketing, just totally at a crossroads. And I think it just like speaks for itself. It's not my favorite, I guess, musical number in the movie. I think swimming would have to be my favorite it's kind of like a really nice breather from everything. And I think for that number, Andrew Garfield was supposed to have a swimming double, but then the swimming double was like, actually you're like, he's faster than I am. He's (laughs) a better
0: swimmer than me.
2: (laughs) So he just wound up going through it. Um, Really appreciated the dead man's float at the end. He's just staring at the bottom of the pool. (laughs) I think it's done really well. And also when he's like, that girl looks like Susan. When Mm -hmm. I first watched it, I like did a double take too.
0: I think they edit in Susan in some of the shots. They do. Yeah. They do. Yeah.
2: Just initially, it is a different person, but... Like before you even mentioned it, Susan, I was like, oh, is that Susan? And like, And and just the, I really value visual effects as well. So I really liked the music notes coming up. It's also really important to mention Sunday. That had so many cameos.
0: Cameos galore, including Lynn, <laughs> yeah. who was like a, a cook, which, fun fact, he wasn't supposed to be in the scene at all. One of the guys I was supposed to be in a cameo called in sick. I couldn't remember who. Mm.
2: Yeah, I, I remember reading that there, there was supposed to be so many other people there too and just with uh i guess the panorama they just couldn't do it it's crazy that they shot that film the way or like shot that musical number the way they did and as somebody who's worked in food service i appreciated the number for what it was
1: that's a great number Guy, when he says you people should be eating at home, it was really gratifying. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, anyway, um, this is the moment I've been hyping up. The moment that made me realize this is my favorite movie musical ever, not just my favorite musical of 2021. This is my favorite movie musical ever was the Louder Than Words sequence. It's my favorite song in the movie. It is my favorite musical number of the movie, which may seem weird, but I just it was cutting back and forth between the stage and, like, this montage of his life. And then you go into the crowd and you see all these people that have throughout the play that have been supporting him as much as they can. You see Steven Sonnenheim, and then towards the end, just how powerful that sequence was and just showing how, how loved John was when he was still here, even if he never got to see the kind of success that he dreamed of.
1: Did did you know he was misdiagnosed? John Larson
0: was my son. Um.
1: He was misdiagnosed with the flu by a hospital in Hawaii.
0: Yeah. He was misdiagnosed
1: twice! He could have been saved. His death is more tragic now.
0: It felt like the ultimate celebration of John. It felt like, but not beyond that, a celebration of artistry, a celebration of chasing your dreams. And That's what really tied the movie together with a bow and made me realize this is special. There are so many lyrics I can point to that are beautiful, but I think the one that stood out the most to me was, um, why would we rather go through hell than sleep alone at night? As someone who's been on many bad relationships, let me tell you, that shit hurted. That that cut deep, my guy. That cut deep, my guy. We've all been in bad relationship. I can't speak to you as. I mean, you talked to me about the laundry thing the other day, so maybe yeah. you probably have. Been, no, I've been in but... my
2: fair share
0: of bad uh, going through hell, so you don't have to sleep alone at night. I think yeah. we've all been there. Yeah. Um, rain has been rain. Rain. Rain cr- t- calls me crying every night. He says. He says, Tanner. Tanner. Andrew Garfield won't kiss me. He kisses every <laughs> other man in L. A. But he won't kiss
3: me. My relationships go great until they suddenly don't. <laughs> I thought that was fire in my head. There's a day.
0: I hate you. Where did I go wrong? You don't bathe. Oh, that's me. I'm the one that didn't bathe for a while. Who's ready for trivia? Hey. Tanner's Trivia Corner. (laughs) Yeah. Despite having no singing experience, uh, Andrew Garfield became Lin-Manuel Miranda's first choice to play John Larson after seeing Garfield's Tony winning performance In the 2018 Broadway revival of... Angels in America. Angels in America, an eight-hour play. That's not a joke. That
1: play is, like, stupid long. And Perestroika, the second half of Angels in America, is famous for being really hard to produce.
0: Yeah, so it's impressive. So here's a fun fact. When he just when Lynn decided on having Andrew Garfield as the lead role, uh, he didn't know he would sing. He asked a mutual friend that both him and Garfield had. They have the same massage therapist. What? That is the most I have made it in Hollywood thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Making connections through the massage therapist. My life is meaningless. I'm going to die poor. So there was an intense bidding war for this movie, Netflix One, because Netflix is the only one funding movies that are between $10 and $50 million anymore, it seems. Yeah. Which hurts, but I guess that's where we're at, at least it still exists. Lin-Manuel Miranda's elementary school music teacher, Barbara Ames, makes a cameo giving Michael flowers after one of his plays. Cool! Yeah, Lin-Manuel Miranda's intent was to have Jonathan Larson credited for the score. So he actually dug through Larson archives. That sounds so cool. The Larson Archives. Mm-hmm. To uh, find unused musical pieces by Larson that they could have used. Steven Sottenheim is mentioned. Uh, he's in it. It's his last film credit ever. It is. Fun fact, the day that they had to shut, because this production originally started in March of 2020. They had to stop it for a while because of the panorama. The day that happened, they were actually shooting at John's house. The, the apartment they made up? Yeah, the apartment. They were actually shooting at that, Yeah. The Moondance Diner that Jonathan Larson worked in is the same diner that Mary Jane Watson worked in in the 2002 motion picture directed by Sam Raimi, Spider-Man. Moondance Diner, so. baby, let's go. <laughs> you found a way. So. You found Who a did way. Andrew Garfield play? Who did Andrew Garfield play? That's right. He played Mr. Fantastic. I mean, Spider-Man. Vanessa Hudgens has portrayed in multiple productions of Rent, including Rent Live, which was the 2019 one that was on uh, TV. The last thing I wanted to bring up, when they were filming the swimming sequence, they were struggling to find a pool that felt right. They would go to pool after pool after pool until – On one day of shooting, they miraculously found, uh, Austin, could you pull up the name of the pool itself?
1: Yeah, they found a pool that matched like the description of the lyrics, like the physical pool itself. It was the Tony DePolito Recreation Center in the West Village. Exactly.
0: After they were done filming there, That's when they discovered that's the actual pool that John Larson swimmed in. That is the actual pool he was talking about. They found it by accident. (laughs) That's awesome. Which, like most great things, it's always done by accident, isn't it? That's all I have for trivia. I hope you enjoy those little little nuggets. Let's get into our final thoughts on Tick, Tick, Boom! Austin, we'll start with you. Final thoughts.
1: Uh, It's a good movie, but it may not be for everybody. But for people with the qualifications, like... The artsy ones who are predisposed to like this sort of thing. I think it's a very good sentimental film. Like, if anything, it's like what happened to Vincent Van Gogh. It's a document that turned the invisible struggle of one person that we've lost into something that can inspire new people who are like that person we lost. And that's cool as far as movies go. Ryan Conversi, why do you hate this movie?
3: I feel like Austin's final thoughts encapsulated any final thoughts I could have better than I could. But I will say... Um, a random thought I had: the scene where he's in the boardroom with all the people who. Uh, who that scene's are- so funny. Yes. that scene's so funny. The whole time um, when I was watching that scene, I was just kept thinking: this is like uh, a veteran uh, player of a video game, like playing their favorite video game on like easy mode, like just like just <laughs> stomping through everyone else. Say,
0: I thought you were gonna say you started crying because you realized that's gonna be you in fifteen yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: no!
3: Don't don't tempt me.
1: He's used to thinking of entire plays and they're like, think of a name for a product. It's a butter substitute. (laughs) Anyway, yeah,
0: I'm done. This shit easy substitute. Betrayal. All right, Izzy, what are your final thoughts on Tick, Tick, Boom?
2: Oh, gosh. Actually, I do want to mention, so I rated it a three and a half on Letterboxd, which I think Rain gave the same rating on. Yeah. Um, there were some things that, like, that just kind of fell short for me as a movie. For me, if if I'm not thinking about it a lot after watching it, it's, like, kind of mid for me. But... I think this movie came out at a really good time. I feel like within the past couple of years, every single artist has had to struggle with, do I stay in this field and continue to struggle even more than I already was? Or do I try going into a more, I guess, financially stable career and either people just like went with art or, just kind of found themselves bouncing into more practical fields. Um, I was one of those people, and everybody that I know that that delved into art kind of eventually came back to art anyway, um, because we all had that boardroom moment. (laughs) This has been kind of the year of Lin-Manuel Miranda with In the Heights, um, you know, Tick Tick Boom and ending it on Encanto. Don't so, forget Vivo.
0: Don't forget Vivo. The hell that? He wrote songs for that movie, right, so too. <laughs> what?
2: Yeah, it's That's been... Four. It's insane, like, how influential he's been on musical movies, and I just hope they keep he going wants, up from here. <laughs> he,
0: he wants the goddamn Oscar. He's that... He just needs the Oscar for the Mac he got. MacArthur's Grants, Pulitzer Prize, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony... I think he'd be one of two people to ever do that.
2: If we remember the 2020 Academy Awards, uh, Anthony Ramos, like, alludes to that in the intro song, I guess, where he's like, you're going to win best song, win manuel
0: (laughs) If if he doesn't this year, he's, like, throwing them everything. (laughs) Well, first off, he should have won for You're Welcome, La La Land Be Damned. But that's just my take. I love Tick Tick Boom. It's my new favorite movie musical. I think it's brilliant. I think it's wonderfully well-directed. I think it's an excellent debut from Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think it's a career-defining performance for Andrew Garfield. And I think it's a beautiful celebration of everything that Jonathan Larson is, everything he is ever going to do in terms of impact on the industry of music, Broadway, musical theater, etc., cetera, et cetera, I just think it's a beautiful movie. Go check it out. It's on Netflix. What's your excuse? You can pirate it if you have to. Izzy, do you want to plug anything now that you've been on a guest? Do you have anything you want to plug?
2: I don't even remember my username on Letterboxd but I guess if you want to find me Isabel M is my name I guess so if you ever want to see my reviews I try to do curse lists I think the last thing I did was um, December 2021 Netflix original Christmas movies and some others because I have never once cradled the x spirit the way that white women do so, um, I love that <laughs> yeah, so I try to watch as many Weird movies, as I I like to. But yeah, that's pretty much
0: it. Yeah, uh, Izzy, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Izzy is one of the uh, uh, coolest people I know, so go follow her on Letterboxd. I'm very grateful you came on the show. I don't know about these two knuckleheads, but I'm grateful you came on, so thank you for coming on. You know what else is wonderful, amazing, and excellent, and beautiful, and great, and awesome? (laughs) You, the person watching slash listening to this podcast, thank you oh so very much for listening to it. If you're listening to any of the audio platforms are on, go ahead. Come here, come here, come here. Go down below, leave a review. Boost us in the algorithm. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you oh so very much for watching. We really appreciate it. Go down to the comment section below. Leave a comment. What do you think of Tick, Tick, Boom? What do you think of Jonathan Larson? What did you think of my singing? Did you want to die? Be honest. (laughs) And finally, do you like Rent? Just, just say yes. Lie to me. Say you like the movie. Lie to me. It makes me happy. And while you're down there, hit the like button so we know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so we know how much you love us. Hit the bell icon so we can know exactly when we upload new videos. Also, while you're down there, go to our Patreon and make sure you tune us next week when we talk about Gotta Catch all, Pokemon! Yeah, we're... Pokemon the first movie. We're talking about Pokemon the first movie next week. Join us then. I'll see you guys next time. I may be taking a break. We'll see. Bye.